Hello and welcome to this podcast. I'm Francis Seeley from Global Net 21 and in this podcast we're going to look at a local issue but one which has national repercussions and the issue is the building of an incinerator, a brand new modern incinerator in Edmonton in North London. Now as we move towards a period where we're serious about climate change and the emergency it faces us, the question of how we dispose of our waste becomes a critical question. Do we use landfill? Do we export our waste? Do we burn our waste? And the North London's incinerator that is to be built in Edmonton is one way that the operators think is efficient and lowers the carbon footprint. However, a lot of local people disagree with that and there is a campaign to stop the incinerator because they believe it pollutes and they believe it does have an adverse effect on climate change. Well, we're speaking to Karina Millstone today who speaks on behalf of the Stop the Edmonton Incinerator and she makes some general points which are nationally relevant about incinerators and whether they are fit for purpose in the crisis situation we face today. So let's listen to this podcast now. But first of all, Karina, I thank you for doing this and welcome to the webinar. Um, Perhaps you can first tell us a little bit about yourself and why you're involved in the Stop the Incinerator movement. Yeah, uh, so I um, I moved to South Chingford about two and a half years ago, drawn to a place with good air quality. That's why I wanted for my family. So you can imagine my horror when I looked out of the window and I noticed uh, a, a chimney stack. I later found out it was an incinerator, but that was about to be decommissioned. And I thought, fantastic, that makes a lot of sense. And then to my horror, I found out it was about to get rebuilt. So my first interest in this was, you know, concerns around air pollution uh, and what this meant for for my family. I I then started looking into incineration a bit more and I found out all sorts of things to, you know, all sorts of reasons to oppose incineration. It kind of, you know, prevents meeting our waste recycling targets, encourages high, high volumes of waste generation. Um, And, you know, crucially, uh, it also produces huge amounts of greenhouse gases. So obviously, at a time of a climate emergency, there was a huge concern. Well, so, let's look, yeah. let's look at those issues one yeah. by one if we go yeah. through it. Sure, but, sure. But, but maybe you can tell us a bit about what the Stop the Incinerator movement is about. Yeah, um, and, who, and who is involved in that locally? Yeah. yeah. So um, you know, when I found about the, when I found about the plans to rebuild the incinerator, I started talking to my neighbours uh, and local residents and families. Uh, and to my surprise, no one knew about the rebuild plans. This is despite the fact we all, you know, many of us live about a mile away or, or closer to the incinerator. Uh, so essentially what we found out, you know, for background is that there's been an incinerator in Edmonton since 1969, very, very long time ago, where, you know, over 50 years ago, that's been burning waste in North London from the North London boroughs continuously. There's been a giant furnace, pretty much. It's not a sophisticated technology burning uh, waste, but also crucially burning recyclables, preventable, compostable waste, so not waste as such for the last 50 years. Uh, And uh, no one knew about the rebuild, essentially. Uh, So that really shocked me uh, at a time of... uh, at a time where we know we need to really rethink, you know, our high levels of consumption and address climate change, 
change. I was shocked that the North London Waste Authority uh, were pushing through these plans with very little uh, local knowledge and indeed no knowledge across the seven North London boroughs. And so we are a group of uh, residents. Uh, mainly young families um, from directly affected areas but also uh, North London more broadly and we are calling on the North London Waste Authority to immediately pause and review their plans to rebuild the Edmonton incinerator uh, in light of the change context the, the new evidence about we know about air pollution what we know now about climate change what we know now about waste prevention and recycling and, in, and of course in light of ballooning costs um, and really report, you know before we, we commit public money uh, to this new incinerator that will lock North London into you know for the next 50 years is we need to be sure that this is the good, you know, right way to proceed. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And, and just, yeah. So, I mean, let, let's take them yeah. issue by issue. Sure. Um, so, I mean, one of the issues is the cost of it, and you, you mentioned that, I mean, that, that's really important. I mean, first of all, I mean, you represent a group, it's a local group. To what extent do you think that group represents the community? Well, I'll say this is quite hard to know, in part because no one knows about this. So, we're talking here about no, a bit of infrastructure that is polluting, degrading local air quality, and will do so for 50 years. The consultation process was minimal. Happened in 2014, only 28,000 you know, 28, households were consulted, four events were held back in 2014. Now, I'm sure you'll agree that things have evolved considerably since then. You know, concerns around air quality are huge, around climate change. Um, so, you, so, are people opposed to it? Well, most, most local residents do not know about the issue. And when they find out, they are shocked. Uh, and of course, they do oppose it. So the extent to which we're representative of the community is, it's hard to tell, but that's because, in large part, because, you know, no one had a chance to object to you the say, project You say about that it. Um, they didn't um, know, but the North yeah. London Waste Authority argued that there was extensive consultation and engagement with local communities. Yeah. Why do you disagree with them on that? I mean, are they lying well, when they say are, are, that? Are they lying? I mean, the, the reality is, uh, you know, so 28,000 leaflets, leaflets were delivered to 28,000 households and four events were held in 2014. Now, let's face it, that's really not extensive consultation. Let's, that, the reality, if you think of all the North London households where the, you know, to whom, uh, whose rubbish is sent there. Um, and crucially, uh, you know, I've, I, I have been unable to get the North London Waste Authority to confirm to me that the consultation process was as extensive as it would have been had there not been an existing incinerator on site. Now imagine a world that, that, you know, an Enfield as it is today, and the only, you know, the only way Enfield today is different in your imagination here is that it does not have the Edmonton incinerator. Can you imagine the uproar if right now the idea was to build an, an incinerator in Edmonton? So the reality is, you know, this site was chosen because there's an incinerator on site, uh, because, you know, there's a big environmental justice issue here. Communities in Edmonton and in South Chingford are not particularly organized. Um, and as a result of that, it seemed like, you know, an expedient issue to, to rebuild it there. Uh, I asked my MP, uh, Ian Duncan-Smith, whether he, in his view, the consultation process was as extensive uh, 
um, as it would have been uh, had there not been an existing incinerator. And you know, in his view, it's very likely that it was not as extensive. And for me, this is really crucial in terms of public participation because I feel that I uh, and uh, you know other members of my community are being held hostage to a decision that was taken in the 60s essentially, uh, in the 60s, a very long time ago, um, you know, before many of us were born, and a decision taken in the 60s will, will degrade air quality in North London until 2075. This is not okay. Now, regardless of whether the process was sufficiently extensive in 2014, I think we can all recognize that public opinion has changed significantly since then. You know, we're all worried about air pollution. We, we're all worried about climate change. We're all worried about plastics. The, you know, the question to the North London Waste Authority today is, are they sure that people know about this project and are consenting to it? And if they can't answer yes to that question, they need to go back to the drawing board. Okay. Um, I mean, so, so your view is that they went for the incinerator because there was an old one there and they felt that because there was an old one there, people would accept that a new one was better and therefore a good thing. But Absolutely. Yeah, so Absolutely. Question... So, you know, the way it's often pitched is it's, it's going to be better than the existing incinerator. Well, that's, you know, if there are any concerns about the current incinerator, especially with regards to public health, it needs to be shut down immediately. But, you know, we're not talking about the current incinerator or a new incinerator. What we want to see are all options on the table, um, you know, which could be a no incinerator option as well, uh, and other ways to deal with our waste and prevent waste from occurring in the first place. Okay. Um... You want consultation, you want people to know about the whole process. One of the problems I gather is that neither the Environment Agency or the incinerator operator has adequately, adequately opened up the uh, monitoring process for public scrutiny. Is that true? I mean, is, there, well, is it very difficult to be able to scrutinise? Will you be able to check what the emissions are? Well, this is a very good point. I mean, obviously, you know, the, uh, you know, in terms of kind of risk to public health and air quality, the answer is always, oh, well, this is carefully regulated by the Environment Agency. In truth, we know that's not the case. Essentially, the Environment Agency's budget has been shrunk considerably over the last decades. And right now, it does not have the capacity to enforce you know, minor breaches of, you know, in terms of, of pollutant limits. So um, London Energy, who operate the current um, incinerator, has to report under the Industrial Emissions Directive on when they do breach uh, safety limits. And we know that this happens routinely. In August 2018, for example, I haven't seen the 2019 report, we know that NOx pollution uh, was breached throughout the whole month. Uh, and of course, they were not penalized for this. But I think there's a wider point here in terms of our new understanding of air pollution is that this is kind of, you know, regulations are just trying to, are catching up with this understanding. So it's really important to think, what does an incinerator do? I mean, an incinerator essentially transforms materials into incredibly small particles particulate matter, it's called, microscopic particles that are then scattered, um, you know, they are then scattered, um, uh, you know, scattered according to the wind direction. Now, it's really crucial to know that these, this particulate matter, we now know affects all organs in the body. Um, DEFRA has said um, and, uh, that there is no, um, there's no knowledge of what's the, pub, the, the appropriate public exposure to particulate matter. Yeah. Well, let, 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 let's... 
just to wrap this up, I mean, crucially, at the moment, there is no commercially available equipment to filter these particles, and neither is there a legal obligation on operators to monitor where these particles land. So essentially, there's been no kind of health impact assessment carried out on the cumulative risks of ongoing exposure to the particulate matter of the affected community. Okay, but, but when you talk about exposure to particles, I mean, yeah. there are emissions of different kinds, and there's CO2, for example, but I think what you're talking about, and just to explain that, and maybe you can sort of, uh, you know, expand on that, is that uh, modern incinerators like the one planned in, in Edmonton actually have significant levels of dioxins and ultrafine particles, and that's, I think, what you're talking about, are you? Those are the ones which often are sort of invisible and you don't see them, and we don't know how they're going to be measured or how or, or how the public are going to know the result of those measurements. No, no, that, well, that's absolutely true. I mean, that, that, that is it. So I'm not talking about CO2 right now. Maybe we can return to this because this is even more, and perhaps arguably even more important. The reality is, quite put simply, um, incinerators degrade local air quality. There is no, this is not something that, uh, you know, that's up for discussion. This is clear. Here we have a, you know, a stack that is burning uh, all sorts of materials, uh, creating pollutants, and of course, you know, turning them into this, these small particles. So I think that you know the case that that you know that I think I want to make, obviously, is that um, since you know since uh, the the planning permission was granted for this incinerator, the we the the medical evidence on the the impacts of poor air quality have just really shot up. You know, we will, you'll, you'll see in the media all these efforts to reduce pollutants from cars and to encourage cycling. Uh, this is really the, the these are the same pollutants, um, and uh, we now know they are bad for our health. So the North London Waste Authority is not in a position to guarantee that there are no risks to the health of the public uh, to come from the, you know, from the new incinerator. It will say it operates within legal limits, uh, judged from experience of the current incinerator. As I say, we know that legal limits are routinely breached. So are you saying that, you know, with cars and so on, you can change those, not quickly, but quicker than an incinerator. An incinerator is like a nuclear reactor. It's there for a long, long time. And when things yeah. change and you're in an emergency, for example, like climate change, you've really got a sort of elephant in the room. Yeah, I mean, I think if we, let's, let's go back if that's okay in terms of uh, the climate impacts, because this is really my, my, you know, my main concern here. But essentially, you know, obviously at the moment, we know that an all circular is, you know, a key source of pollution for the local area there are plans to do, to try and improve uh, you know in, improve cars and there are plans to try and decarbonize transport there are no such plans for incineration and they are not possible given what an incinerator does um, so you know at the moment an argument might be put that it's you know, not the biggest polluter. Well, in 50 years, in 2017, it will be by far the biggest local source of pollution in Enfield, uh, you know, and over the people of Edmonton, uh, South Chingford, uh, and, and North Tottenham. So that, that there's no doubt about that. Uh, you know, the assessment is kind of backward-looking rather than forward-looking. Okay. Um, but, essentially, but, but, yeah. But we can, we can move on to other things. So up to, up to yeah, you. Okay, no, you. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah. I mean, the, they would argue, and they do argue, of course, that if they didn't have the incinerator, they would have to send all the non-recyclable material coming from two million residents to landfill yeah and that will produce methane gas which is 25 times more powerful than carbon dioxide how do you react yeah. to that yeah 
So essentially, the North London Waste Authority is completely misguided. Um, I don't know if it's deliberate or I don't know if, you know, what's going on here. But the reality is things have changed considerably since the notion that incinerator is better than landfill. When you think about landfill, we're visualizing landfill from the 80s. This is not how these things work anymore. Now, you know, if you're comparing like for like, sending everything that's currently in the incinerator to landfill, possibly the, uh, um, the, the greenhouse gas footprint might be worse. In reality though, we already know that the bulk of what's being sent to the incinerator is, is recyclable, uh, preventable or compostable. It should not be incinerated. Um, you know, our, our recycling rates are about 29% at the moment. Um, you know, targets have been set for at least 65% municipal recycling uh, by um, 2035. These are kind of new regulations. Sadiq Khan has sent a 70% recycling target. Uh, you know, the reality is a lot of what's being burnt at the moment shouldn't be there. Uh, so, so is your solution, is your solution, yeah. is your solution recycling rather yeah. than burning? So, so absolutely. Uh, I mean, the first point, the focus always has to be on waste prevention. There's absolutely no doubt about this. Uh, it's not like for like we need to be focusing our efforts on, on waste prevention. Um, that's, that's the first point. The second point, you know, waste uh, that can't be prevented needs to be composted or, recyc or recycled. At the moment, uh, I have in front of me here the composition by weight of what goes into the current incinerator. Well, a lot of it is actually recyclable or compostable, including organic, organic waste uh, that should be going to compost or anaerobic digestion, including paper, card, glass, you know, 5% glass and so on. So, the reality is we need to be uh, focused on waste prevention and then recycling. Then sure, we have some residual waste. What the hell do we do with the residual waste? The argument you know, that the North London Waste Authority puts forward is that, you know, that that's, what the, that's what the incinerator's doing. It's burning residual waste. Well, that's, that is just a lie since I have in front of me the composition of what goes in there provided to me by Clyde Lokes, the chair of the North London Waste Authority. So we know it's not actually burning residual waste, it's burning resources this is quite different so so yeah so once you have our waste prevention program our waste recycling waste recycling program and our full composting program we have a lot less waste what the hell do we do with that well the answer is the policy consensus that this is better incinerated than landfill no longer holds true the you know uh, waste minister uh, scottish government defra the consensus now is from an, if your priority is to immediately reduce greenhouse gas emissions residual waste you're better doing mbt mechanical biological treatment further separation and then stabilizing any remaining wet waste and then landfill this is actually preferable from an emissions perspective but so, what would you what would you do with the non residual waste at all the ones that you can't recycle as i just said mbt so you stabilize it and then possibly landfill it or use it in existing incineration capacity. The reality is, if we were meeting our legally mandated recycling targets, and this is without thinking about waste prevention, there is already enough incineration capacity in the UK and in London to meet those needs, if that is deemed to be preferable to landfill. But, but what I would like to throw back here at you slightly, uh, Francis, is that you know, a pushback that I often get is, well, what's the alternative, Karina? Well, the reality is it's not my job to come up with the alternative. The reality is, it's the, it's, this is the job of the North London Waste Authority. The North London Waste Authority, before parting with public money, which we should come back to, 
it is incumbent on them to really make sure that this incinerator is the strongest environmental, social business case for it. And they have not conducted a, comp a comprehensive assessment of alternatives. They have not done this. Uh, I have asked to see these on the freedom of information request. They have not produced them. The environmental impact assessment, uh, that was conducted in 2014 was under a prior regulatory regime that did not require an in-depth consideration of alternatives. Alternatives were not considered and you can see why that happens. There's an incinerator on site. People know about incineration. You can see the bias uh, that we were going to rebuild the incinerator. So I want, the, we are asking for the North London Waste Authority now to pause the project and do some independent reviews, you know, highlighting what are the alternatives, what are their costs, what are their environmental benefits and disbenefits? What are their public health benefits and disbenefits? This is not, this, you know, before they spend our money from our council taxes, this is, it's imperative the North London Waste Authority do this. Okay, but there are some other benefits that they said, and maybe you might want to look at that as well. For example, sure. they argue that they'll be producing enough heat and energy to heat 127,000 homes, almost all of the homes in Enfield. Um, uh, because they're environmentally advanced, they argue, and you may contest that. Um, I mean, do you dispute yeah. that there are not those benefits that would come uh, out I, I strongly, strongly dispute those benefits. Uh, this is actually a sh shocking part of the greenwash of this project. It's really worth remembering that burning waste produces greenhouse gases. Now, remember, I've also just said we're not actually burning waste, we're burning resources mainly. So energy from waste sounds a lot more attractive than energy from resources, because we do not produce stuff. We are not producing plastic bags. We are not producing tins, you know, trays for food and all the things that go into the incinerator to produce energy, right? So we are, so the embedded energy of these products can never be recovered. So there is no climate change case for incineration because for every ton of waste that you burn, you produce about a ton of greenhouse gases. So the, the energy that is produced from energy from waste is neither renewable nor low carbon. Uh, in fact, it's on a par uh, with, you know, somewhere between, well, it's on a par with fossil fuels in terms of the carbon intensity of the energy that's produced. Now, when we were displacing coal in the grid, when, you know, back in the 60s, you know, with our flares and, you know, whatever was happening in the 60s, when we were displacing coal, sure, maybe this was preferable as an energy source to be generated. What we now know is that we need to fully decarbonize the energy grid as soon as possible, definitely by 2050, ideally much earlier, right? The priority right now is the decarbonization of the energy grid. Well, very soon, this incinerator, which will be more, you know, will be one of the more polluting energy sources um, uh, feeding into the grid. Uh, so the, 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 the assessments that have been made are not forward-looking. I have asked with the North, North London Waste Authority to provide us with a year-on-year -year, uh, waste tonnage projection, uh, the energy-generated prediction, the carbon intensity prediction of the, the, gen, the energy generated, and the planned median energy of, um, of uh, the, the planned median emissions intensity of the grid. They have been unable to provide that data because it's analysis they haven't done and that they don't want to do because they will see that this kind of energy case falls apart immediately. Okay, let, let, let me and, ask and just, you. Just in terms of heating homes in, in Enfield, yeah. I'm naturally very keen to have homes heated in Enfield. You know, let's build a renewable energy infrastructure to, 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 do, this, to do this. We do not okay. need to build an incinerator to heat homes okay. in Enfield. 
Okay, fine. I mean, you, I, I know that you say that, um, you know, that there are carbon dioxide emissions because of the incinerator. They argue that there'd be saving on emissions, that the savings will be the equivalent of taking over 110,000 cars off the road. But I gather that your campaign says it'd be the equivalent of, of putting 700,000 cars on the road. Now, how do you come to your figures? How do yeah, both yeah, of yeah. you come so, to this? No, no, this no, no, no. no. So, so, ba so basically, the North London Waste Authority, so, so maybe let's take just a step back as to why we should take all the, the North London Waste Authority's climate change um, commitments and you know pronouncements with a gigantic handful of salt. I mean, this is really important. First thing to say, the uh, the assessment was the assessment uh, for the planning application does not include a climate change assessment. There is no data on greenhouse gas emissions to be generated by the incinerator, about impacts of climate change, about changes in energy demand linked to climate change. Remember, this was all done in 2014, before the, the climate emergency declaration, before the net zero uh, legal um, announcements. So we should take this with a gigantic pinch of salt. There were no climate change assessments, no climate change claims made for the incinerator until this summer, uh, last summer, when obviously the climate emergency had been declared uh, and we start, and you know our campaign group was starting to ask difficult questions. When the North London Waste Authority commissioned a report by Ramble to basically make the case that this still stood, uh, that there was still a case for the incinerator despite the climate emergency. Now note that Ramble uh, are an existing contractor to the incinerator, and also note that Lucy Padfield is a director of Ramble and also chairs the, the Waltham Forest Climate Emergency Commission. This is really not going to be an independent study, let's face it. Now obviously, okay, so, but, I, wait, wait, one, moment, I, so, one moment, no, no, no. I know, because we, well, no, no, we, no, no. we don't have too much time Absolutely, but I'm saying, and, and just a final point as to why we should be so skeptical about this. Well, two points. One, I you know in a legal case against the government uh, that I tried to, that, I, that I'm pushing forward, uh, who granted the planning permission. My bigger, one of my arguments were cli was climate change. The North London Waste Authority chose not to use a climate change argument in a legal setting, knowing that this argument would not stand up to legal scrutiny. Final point: Hackney Council was unable to tell us whether. Uh, how they accounted for the emissions going into the for coming from the incinerator, as in both at local level, uh, at the North London Waste Authority level, we're really seeing a lack of understanding of this issue. Now, how, so, how, so how did how are our claims so different? Well, our claims are so different because to make a climate change case, you start to have to depend on counterfactuals. The counterfactuals that the North London Waste Authority commissioned their consultants with uh, their commissions to do were basically comparing like for like of you know what's you know what's currently in the incinerator going to landfill now and the worst kind of landfill without methane capture which of course modern landfills have without organic waste separation which is now a new legally mandated requirement and, and without any kind of forward-looking assessment so uh, I mean, I have a, you know, I would encourage everyone to think very carefully about those claims. Um, and they, they just do not stand true, essentially. Okay. Um, so you think they're actually picking figures out of the air? Absolutely. You? Absolutely. And, 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 you know, to a certain extent, I, you know, I, I think Ramble are quite implicated in this. Uh, because um, you, you, you can see the terms of reference that were set for this uh, study are very limited, as asked by the North London Waste Authority. And of course, you know, the study was always going to find uh, that 
you know, this was a good idea for from a climate change perspective. It is not. There is, uh, there is simply not the case. Uh, and as I say, it's very, it's now a well-known fact that from a purely greenhouse gas environmental perspective, it's now far preferable to focus on food on, on prevention, better source separation, recycling, mecha mechanical and biological treatment, stabilization, and landfill. This is the, the government has said this, the Scottish government has said this. This is now a well-known fact, but this is a very recent development. You know, this, this policy consensus change has happened recently, and the North London Waste Authority has, have just not caught up with the facts yet. Okay, I mean, there are a lot more questions we could ask, but we've only got yep. three, about three minutes left sure. of this. So, I mean, obviously you've got a campaign going and you've got a good case that you can make. How are you getting your message out there? Yeah. How are you reaching people? Right, I'm so glad you say this because essentially this incinerator is happening. It's been given the green light uh, by the government. The North London Waste Authority are refusing to, to go back to the drawing board. They're frustrated. They've been thinking about this for a while. There are some serious egos on the board that are refusing to budge. The only reason for, for the, the only way for this incinerator to be paused and reviewed before we spend £1.2 billion of public money being paid for by the council taxes of the people of North London is really um, to, to put pressure on councillors from the North, on North London Waste Authority councillors. Uh, you can find who your councillor is uh, on the North London Waste Authority board um, uh, website, board members, writing to them. And if you're a local, if you're a Labour Party activist, um, passing motion with your local Labour Party uh, in North London uh, calling for a motion for this incinerator to be paused and reviewed. Uh, again, just to note, you know, in the, it used to be it was going to cost £650 million. Pounds. Uh, uh, this was the, the line until November. In November, under pressure from us and from a journalist, the project had to be recosted. The, the project is now costed at £1.2 are we happy with our council taxes going towards pollution, climate change, you know, greenhouse gas emission generation, you know, a, an enabling of consumerism uh, for the next, until 2075? Because if we're not happy with this, we need to like really stand up for it right now, um, get in touch with our councillors, get in touch with the Labour Party, local Labour parties, and demand that the project is paused and reviewed, a comprehensive assessment of, analysis, of alternatives is carried out. And, and would you say get in touch with your Liberal Democrats and your Greens and your Conservatives as well? Uh, I would say that uh, for Barnet, it's more relevant going in touch with, uh, with the Conservative Party. The reality is the North London Waste Authority is, uh, the, the board is composed of two councillors from each of the, north, of the seven North London boroughs, so it's currently Labour controlled. Uh, so the, it's more effective uh, getting in touch with your Labour Party councillor. However, uh, MPs don't know about this either. So an MP level, uh, you know, getting in touch with your MP is a, a good idea. And certainly that's the case in Barnet and in Chingford Green, uh, where there are Conservative MPs who can put pressure on the government uh, to get uh, the government to review their granting of the planning permission. And how did I get in touch with you or the Stop the Incinerator yeah, campaign? Thank you for asking, absolutely. So our, our Twitter handle is Stop the Rebuild, uh, so that's the first thing to follow. Uh, and uh, if, you know, 
dropping a line at notoxicsmoke at gmail.com um, uh, you know, no at gmail.com that would be great uh, and then our website is to stop you know hyphen edmonton hyphen incinerator.org where we have a kind of comprehensive presentation uh, of our case there as well and, and you know, just a final thing obviously we're doing this as volunteers the north london waste authority has given out a a comms contract to the value of £750,000. So really, this is a bit of a David taking on Goliath moment. So and just finally, and very briefly, what are the chances, do you think, of your success? Uh, I think, you know, the longer we delay the project, the, the higher the chances. Every minute that goes by, this project make, makes less and less sense. I can see why an incinerator made sense in 1960s. Possibly when we started to think about the rebuild, you know, 10 years ago, it might still have made sense. Possibly even when the community consultations were carried out or in 2017. Knowing what we know now about the climate emergency, the need to get resource use under control, air quality, it needs to be stopped. So the longer we delay it, the stronger the case and the more the chances it will not go ahead. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much for You're that. You're very welcome. I mean, thank that you. was, that was a, a you know, very extensive interview and there are a lot more questions we could ask, but yeah. you have a great deal to say on it. I sure. Say. And, um, you know, that, that was good that you did it. Anyhow, people know how to get in touch with you if they want to be involved and they've got some advice from you about what to do. So thank you for doing this and uh, it's been a great interview. So thank you so thank much, you. Francis. Thank Thanks you for the opportunity. Uh, well, you know, you're welcome. And, you know, we'll finish this interview now. Thank you. Mm -hmm.